Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In the Phaedo, we encounter an argument that Socrates is making to his interlocutors. And he's making this argument to argue in favor of the immortality of the soul, saying that the soul will in fact survive after the death, which means the death of the body or the separation of the soul from the body. And we call this the argument from opposites for you know, the simple reason that Socrates is actually using opposites like living and dead, or some of these other ones that we've got here as the examples he actually brings up, in order to make his case. So he's got a basic metaphysical principle here that he's relying upon, and it's that everything that admits generation or change, now we should talk for a moment about that, but everything that admits generation or change is generated from opposites. So generation is the process of coming to be. Genesis in Greek. We get the word genesis from that, right? Because the biblical book of Genesis is the book of how things came to be. That's why it got called that. Generation is opposed to corruption, and both of them are types of change or types of alteration. Both of them are types of kinesis in Greek, movement. The kinesis that we're talking about here is one where something changes its, its quality over, over time, changes the way in which it is. So there are things that we can call opposites. We're all pretty much familiar with those. They're correlative to each other. And so the more you have of this, the less you can have of its opposite. You might have a you know middle point in between, so like hot and cold, for example. Hot's over here, and as you move towards cold, we get through warm, then lukewarm, then, I don't know, middling warm or something like that. We start to get to cool, getting frosty, or whatever you want to call it, and then really cold, right? And so there's a continuum there, but there's a process of changing. And the way that Socrates talks about this when he's explaining it to his interlocutors, he says, well, look, we have two opposites, right? And there's going to be two opposed processes how do you get from here to here, and how do you get from here to here? Sometimes we have names for these, sometimes we don't. But we can say that if something is now ugly, but it wasn't always ugly, what did it have to come from? It had to come from something that was not ugly or beautiful, or vice versa. If something is beautiful, um, think about you know kids who are not particularly good looking, and you meet them at the high school reunion 20 years later, and we make movies about this, and suddenly they're gorgeous, right? So they've gone from being an ugly person, ugly physically, right, to a beautiful person. And I guess we could talk about, you know, what are the processes for that? Well, makeover and taking the makeup off or becoming fit and losing your, your shape, you know, all these sorts of things. We can go back and forth. Same thing with right and wrong or just and unjust, right? That's what the Greek words there are, just and unjust. Or good and bad, hot and cold, larger and smaller. You know, the process of going from the larger to the smaller is shrinking, right? And the process of going from the smaller to the larger is growing. 
Now, one might quibble and say these are not all the same sorts of qualities. We can get into metaphysical discussions about this. Socrates doesn't do that. His interlocutors don't do that at that, that point either, although they will talk a little bit about, you know, I think this, this notion of opposites needs to be clarified later on, but I, I've covered that in another video where we're talking about that particular argument. What's the upshot of this? So Socrates says we have living people and we have dead people. We have a process of going from living to dead, a process of change, and we call that dying. Now the question is, do we have a correlative process? Do we have another process of change that goes from being dead to being living? And here he's got an argument that is it's a little suspect, but it makes sense within the metaphysical scheme that he's working in. He says, can things like this only go one way? Well, let's think about other opposites. If we take away the way of going back, right, then everything that's beautiful becomes ugly, but nothing that's ugly ever becomes beautiful. What's going to be the result? Pretty soon nothing's beautiful right? Or if everything that's wrong comes from everything that comes from things that are right. Things are going from being right to wrong. Pretty soon nothing's right. Or he talks about, you know, sleeping and, and waking, being awake, being asleep, process of going from one to the other is falling asleep, waking up. If we eliminate the waking up, pretty soon the whole world is asleep. So could we do that for living and dying? Well, then we would eventually reach a point where there just aren't any living anymore and everything's dead. The way that he's talking about that, it sounds like, well, everything's dead in the sense that nothing is actually moving or doing anything. As we're going to see, he doesn't quite mean that. So we need to think now about whether there is a balancing process which gets us back from the dead to the living. And he says, yeah, there has to be. And we're going to call that coming to life. Or, since what, what is being dead, it's not being dead in the sense of being totally without life. What being dead here means is that the soul is alive, but not the body. We go from having a living body and soul to the process of only having a soul and the body's dead. That's the process of dying. And then the soul exists here as a living entity on its own, doing whatever souls happen to do. You know, he's got other stories about what's going on with that. And then it comes back to life. So what this means is that the souls of the dead still do exist. And thus, we don't have to be worried about what's going to happen in the afterlife, because at least there's going to be an afterlife. At least there is going to be some sort of survival after that. And then after, for most of us, not necessarily for philosophers, as we're going to see, we can get put back into bodies. And we have this continual process of generation, just like we have a process of generation over here. So within this metaphysical scheme, this not only does provide us with an argument for the immortality of the soul based on opposites, but it also tells us something about how Plato thinks the world works. So it's a very interesting little argument. There are some problems that you could raise with it. You could say, well, he's actually presuming something that he's supposed to be proving here, namely that souls are in fact immortal. That's kind of a fast one that Socrates pulls on his interlocutors. So you know, you should wonder about what's going on there. Is, is he really endorsing this argument or not? My answer is I don't think he is. I think he's, he's providing this as sort of a starting point. And, you know, the other thing that you want to think about as well 
is, you know, is this an adequate account of the metaphysics of change, or would we need something a bit more complex, as he will introduce a little bit later on. But if you accept the premises, if you accept the starting points, and you're willing to go along with his way of understanding this, it makes a good argument. It also doesn't deal with death as what we're really afraid of, which is total cessation of existence. Death as we understand it that way, non-existence, would be something different from these kinds of opposites. Because uh, we're talking about the living thing actually having some sort of identity, some sort of existence, some sort of continue, continued being, and then there's nothing there after the death. But he doesn't treat death in that sort of way. He is treating death uh, in this argument basically as just separation of the soul from the now breaking down body. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>